Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Mechanics Institute Review podcast. My name is Peter J. Coles, and for this episode, we're back talking to Brick Lane Bookshop and the winner of their 2020 short story prize, Alice Hayworth Booth, and the head of the prize, Kate Ellis. To begin, Alice is going to read an extract from her winning short story, The Closed Door. baby was going through a phase of only saying hello, though it knew a lot of other words. Hello, it said to Rona when she came home. Then hello, when Rona gave it a yoghurt. And hello, when Rona put it to bed. It was nice to be greeted, but Rona wondered where cat and dog and no had gone. She wasn't even Rona's baby, but of course Rona had a certain investment in her. The baby wasn't sleeping well. The nights were too hot. Her face with its glaze of distraught boredom, paralysed on the verge of tears in the cot, was too much sometimes. Rona had gone back to bed to listen to waves crashing through her earphones. The baby, if it belonged to anyone, was her boyfriend Joe's. He'd had her by accident with a short-lived sweetheart named Dawn. In the delivery room, they had named the baby Brenda, making her seem, Rona had always thought, more like a colleague or an aunt than a baby. For Rona, having this kind of baby solved a lot of problems. She could see how she liked it and leave at any time. She could choose to cancel plans with the baby if something else came up. Jo was grateful if she helped even half-heartedly. They had met when Rona was handing out flyers for a protest. In a way, Jo had been her only real political success. There was something about flyering that emboldened Rona. Instead of hating her, people on the street hated something much bigger. They hate life itself, she told herself. Piss off, a man with a wheelie suitcase had volleyed at her as she smiled and shouted, Save the world, next Saturday! A woman had taken a flyer and started reading it before asking if Rona had any facts. And Rona, caught off guard, had replied that she didn't have a mind for facts. The woman was shaking her head. Alice. Hi, nice to meet you. Thank you for doing this. Um, Thank you so much for having so, me on. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Sorry about the whole Zoom thing. Obviously, we have to do this because it's of, of everything that's going on in the world. Um, I wonder if you could introduce yourself a little. Who, who are you? How did, what do you do? How, what's your writing journey so far? Oh, I didn't see that question coming. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who I am. <laughs> or just maybe what's your writing journey? That's the most That's a monumental question. <laughs> it is a monumental yeah. question. Mm. <laughs> yeah, my writing journey is a bit easier to narrow yeah, down because it hasn't been very, well, maybe it's been long, but there hasn't been much of it. So <laughs> okay. um, I guess I started writing when I was probably like a young teenager mm -hmm. and I started writing because I really liked making books <laughs> and like yeah making little paper books and I realized I needed something to fill them with and I started writing like Christmas stories for my parents <laughs> and, and then I had really encouraging teachers at school who were like oh you should maybe try writing some short stories and we'd like to read them and so I started, yeah, taking that a bit more seriously at school and started writing short stories and then just got really into reading short stories. And then I got a bit older and gave up because it seemed too hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then always like had it as uh, my true self is a writer and <laughs> that's what I'll come back to eventually. 
And I think it was only a couple of years ago that I decided to that I would do an Arvon course. That was something very gentle, like starting to write. <laughs> um, and I went and I did that and that was incredible. And it just made me so excited about writing. And I wrote a short story that week um, that I was on the course and had really encouraging tutors there. And, and then, yeah, just kept going and did more classes. Um, met more writers, uh, started being in writers groups, started kind of taking the craft of writing more seriously. And yeah, and now I would consider myself a short story writer <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> and you've won a prize, so therefore you are a short story writer. Um, it's the proof. <laughs> so you did an Avon course. Have you been to university with creative writing or have you just, is that not something you've been interested in doing? I did an English degree. Okay. Um, so yeah and that was great and really inspiring but was one of those things that you know was a bit intimidating and made me not really feel like writing because <laughs> there was so much great writing in the world and the Arbonne course was one thing that really made me feel like all the other students on the course were also uh, like great writers or just like you could see that there's it just seemed like there was room for lots of writing in the world and I didn't feel worried about that so much that's, anymore. That's a thing to realise, isn't it? That somebody <laughs> has to fill the shelves with books. And why can it not be you? That's, uh, yeah. yeah. That was my attitude when I started writing. I was like, I could do this. Someone has to fill these books, uh, these shelves with books. So let's go into your story, uh, uh, The Closed Door. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I want to say that first. I really, really enjoyed it. And I can definitely see why it won. I think it's a very much a story of 2019, 2020. I think it very much fits into this zeitgeist. And the fact that you named your character Rona... <laughs> Did you know? Was this before or after? This was before. This was before. <laughs> and somehow you managed to pick the exact name that, that would be for 2020, just Rona, as in Corona uh, virus. Uh, so that was very, very interesting. I wonder if you could give us a brief outline of your story quickly. Yeah, I guess it's about a few different things, but mainly it's about climate change and it's probably about ambivalence and it's about a character who's an activist but who's quite vague <laughs> and not completely committed <laughs> um, to her cause and maybe not completely committed to the future and it's kind of about or maybe the conflict in the story is a, is a conflict between belief in the future and uh, disbelief <laughs> or um, yeah kind of pes pessimism and optimism and I don't think it's really resolved by the end of the story but maybe there's something in the story that's about ambivalence being okay <laughs> as a way to be. One thing that really stands out is the characterization of Rona with this strange passive uh, impassivity it's like she's she's right on the very edge of just being completely uncaring and caring very 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 deeply and you I think you executed that extremely well because it does come across as her being exactly that passive but impassive at the same time like she she wants to be engaged but she also doesn't feel like she should be engaged or wants you know it, it's very interesting why that this character do you think it represents something in all of us at the moment, who are you describing with this character? You think? Difficult question. Yeah. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's a great think, question. Yeah. Do you think this character is sort of a person of our times, basically? Yeah, I do. I think, I think I wrote this story at the same time as I was um, writing an essay about ambivalence and um, sort of about cognitive dissonance and about. Uh, maybe living in this country and knowing about climate change and 
knowing that it's happening elsewhere in the world and also knowing that it's happening in our future but like living in this world that's quite nice or <laughs> until 2020 <laughs> was kind of going on in in kind of a normal way and we have and we're walking around in it you know trying to enjoy life <laughs> but also having this other imaginative world that we don't know how we don't know how accurate it is but it's I think that it's definitely there for lots and lots of people so it's about how to calibrate those two realities mm. and find a sense of optimism or just like a find some kind of like clear-sightedness <laughs> where you can like go into the future with your eyes open and not be scared but also not be in in complete denial yeah maybe like calibrating some sense of useful denial for yourself <laughs> um, so you said before that you don't feel like you're there is a sort of re resolution to this that she does Rona does have hope or doesn't have hope or is hopeful for the future is something is that something you want to sort of explore more in your writing then this idea of hope and, and no hope or a desire for the future or a desire to just as she says lay down in the road and tickle juggle about like a dead fly I think it was which I thought was great yeah hope feels like a really difficult thing to grapple with mm. and definitely something that you I think that you think about a lot if you're involved in activism and I think another spark um for starting to write the story was the experience of handing out flyers at oh, protests okay. or before protests which I did in 2019 and I've also done in the past many times and I've always wanted to write about because I find it so kind of both mundane and incredibly charged like you're handing over this like promise or this invitation and you want you kind of want it to change someone's life or you want it to change your life or you want it to create change <laughs> in some way and it's just a bit of paper and it's like really ephemeral <laughs> um sort of yeah this desire to be involved but also desire to stand stand back slightly maybe definitely yeah and I think maybe that's where I was going with that hope question that you kind of I don't know if this is the right phrase but you pin your colors to the mask or like you feel like you when you're involved in an activist group for example you feel like you have to believe in that group and you have to represent that group and if you're handing out flyers for that group then you have to kind of um be willing to take responsibility <laughs> but also you're your own person and you have your own doubts and yeah you have your own balance of optimism and pessimism that might be different from the I don't know the cause of the group or the messaging of that <laughs> group yeah. um and so I guess that's what yeah fiction feels like a place where you're allowed to explore those things or that there's room to explore those things. Whereas in activism, sometimes there's not a space or time to, you know, have a really long conversation with someone <laughs> as you're handing them a flyer or like it's not appropriate to be like, well, you might not really want to come to this protest because <laughs> of these reasons. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's why I find um, fiction, writing fiction alongside doing other things <laughs> um, is really useful. What was the what was the process for writing this piece? I think I started forming it into the shape of a story um, in the writing class that I was taking, and I think it was it was the experience of flyering <laughs> and having funny things said to me, <laughs> um, and just writing those down. And then I don't know. I think the the process of writing for me is um, maybe is like trying to to sort of mould 
a kind of very loose structure or at least open a document <laughs> and have my story <laughs> title or whatever at the top and then just be able to fill it with things and um yeah like with my notes so I write notes a lot <laughs> and I think that story is just it's like a collection of notes and things that were pulled into it yeah in 2019 <laughs> and in terms of feedback did you get feedback for the story was it did you did it go through writing groups first before it was submitted or did you just submit it as it was it did go through writing groups and that was so useful because I didn't feel like the story had structure or I didn't feel like it came to an end I sort of felt like it didn't say enough <laughs> and the feedback or the most useful feedback that I got was like this is this is the structure of a story and you have your story and what you need to do is edit it. <laughs> but yeah, that's always so useful as feedback, just people saying you don't need to like struggle to make something more happen <laughs> in this story or you don't need to give it a beginning, middle and end. Like you just need to make it make a bit more sense or be more meaningful or like you need to change some of these sentences or make it a bit less show or fee or like <laughs> use a few fewer adjectives <laughs> yeah <But> yeah <laughs> less purple prose yeah yes Just purple <laughs> prose. yeah I think that's something fascinating about the story is that, that it, it does feel it feels rigid and solid and it, it, it's a it's a really good read but there, it sort of it sort of opens itself out and then there's nothing really in it but there is there's loads in it it's 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 it, you've done something quite magical with the story I think it, it really is one of those great stories where there is nothing and there is something in it exactly the same time and you mm -hmm. come away feeling something from it but you're not really sure what that feeling is and you're not really sure how to name it which I think is something that's very very, very powerful um, I think too often people just try to write a story and then they just write it and it's like, yeah, you've written a good story, but there was no depth to it. Whereas this has a bit more depth, I think. Um, it makes sense that you um, you said that you sort of compiled it from your notes because it has this sort of quite miraculous freshness. And it's like every thought that Rona has has just come to her and it's kind of like it's sort of bouncing across the page. Mm. And it's kind of, yeah, it's quite, it's very funny and fluid mm. and kind of peculiar which is, um, yeah, I thought it was great. And it's nice to know how you constructed it or didn't, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both very much. What has it been like to have won the Brick Lane uh, Short Story Prize? What, how, what did that feel like? Oh, I was so surprised. <laughs> <laughs> um, I entered the competition the year before and didn't get anywhere and wasn't really expecting to get anywhere this year. Um, so yeah, being on the long list was like a massive achievement and being on the short list was really exciting and winning the prize was really amazing. <laughs> and yeah, it definitely gave me some confidence. And yeah, I think, well, for everyone, this year has been really, really hard <laughs> and it's been hard to write and it's been hard to sort of feel, I don't know, as soon as the pandemic hit, I just thought, oh, what do we write about now? It's like the landscape has changed <laughs> in terms of my writing and like what I feel is worth writing about and everything just felt a bit silly <laughs> suddenly. Um, so yeah, winning the prize was a really good reminder that fiction is worth writing and it makes you feel better. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it feels like a useful thing to do. Moving on to Kate a bit now. So that was very interesting there about what to write about in this sort of period. I mean, that's going to be next year's prize, isn't it? When you're, when you're, are you opening up again? Is it happening again? Happening. We are doing it again. Yeah, yeah we're going to, 
I think submissions are going to open at the beginning of April. Okay. Next year. I got to get right yeah. something. Um, but uh, I was going to say, what themes? What were the predominant themes that you had this year? Because this year, it we did have. I think I, I made a little note in my massive spreadsheet every time there was a lockdown story, and we had about thirty oh, that really? were written. When, when, did the, um, when did the when did the competition? Our deadline was, um, I think, it's fifteenth of May. Oh, okay. So, so sort of two months through. into lockdown, and right. so there were obviously quite a few that were written hurriedly and kind of um, talking about the very present situation. Um, so that was sort of a theme, I guess, and generally kind of a lot of characters who wanted to escape or had escaped or were thinking about worlds unlike their own. I guess that was a theme. I kind of um, read or at least part read about a thousand stories. So it's sort of hard to, hard to kind of um, brush them all with one theme. There was sort of, there was a huge range of voices and ideas. It was kind of fascinating. Wow. Yeah, was there was there a lot of climate change stories in 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 the book as well? There were a uh, few, um, and I guess actually um, the top our three prize winners were all kind of about climate change this year, which is kind of, is quite telling that those three rose to the top because it's sort of it's obviously like the most important thing at the moment. Well, we are in a pandemic, but other than that, like <laughs> it's yeah, very much related to climate change, isn't it? The pandemic, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Back to the competition though, Kate. What what did you learn from last year that you applied to this year for the competition? Anything that you did differently that you, you would recommend that people do who are trying to run competitions like this, big competition? I, th- I guess um, this year I was much more organised. I, um, I had a, a plan and I stuck to it and there were dates and I, I had an idea of how long each part of running the prize took. And so I was able to sort of schedule everything and therefore hopefully communicate some of that to the people who entered the prize and the judges and the first and second readers. Um, I didn't anticipate that we'd get quite so many entries. So that was a fairly sort of epic task to hand out all the reading. And how many had, did you have? Like, 1,134. Wow, that is a lot. Yeah, and last year we had <laughs> 463. So it was a sort of wow. a huge difference. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a huge amount of work, and I, I'm really grateful that all of all of the readers got their feedback to me, kind of on schedule and kind of in the right way, and they were sort of very generous with their comments. But yeah, it was um, it's very tough and a kind of interesting conversations at the second readers stage. So I had there were three of us reading the sort of the long long list, and making those decisions was really difficult. There was a lot of good stories this year. Um, so yeah, that was, that was uh, I think my favourite bits have probably been the Zoom calls, deciding or listening to what wins and what goes through. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Was there any was there any heated debates this year regarding some of the stories? The um with the conversation with the judges was pretty passionate. They were really? it was exciting for me because they they were impressed by the twelve stories in the long list. And so the conversation was sort of quite sparkly and um yeah, there was a sort of a bit of a tussle okay. as to what got on the shortlist and what eventually won. And I think Alice's story rose to the top and it was unanimous, unanimous at the end. It was like, yeah, we were, they were like, yeah, this is the one. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's good to hear. That's very, yeah. very good to hear. And another thing, Kate, are you anticipating or excited for all the Corona stories next year? Would you prefer people didn't send Corona stories, just Corona stories? <laughs> I haven't really thought about it yet. I, I think there'll be a lot of quite mad experimental stuff mm. next year. And I think that going through such an odd year will make people sort of throw caution to the wind. And I'm hoping to receive quite a lot of fresh takes and oddities and maybe a few scary things and probably, probably I guess, a lot of stories about grief and about loss and about uncertainty um, because so many people have experienced that this year. But I'm also looking forward to stories about that have nothing to do with coronavirus at all. <laughs> yeah, if anyone wants a deep dive into sort of the most esoteric thing that is going to make us forget everything, then that would be lovely. Could you both give me what, uh, maybe a book recommendation that you always recommend and something that you're reading at the moment? Kate, I know you did this last time, last year, so maybe your always recommend book may have changed or it might be the same, I'm not really sure. I can't remember what I said I would, I think I said Laurie Moore maybe, last yeah, year as an so, always yeah. recommendation, which stands. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, maybe I started rereading Stoner again oh, the other day, I which I love it's just yeah gentle and heart-wrenching and I don't know how he makes me care so quickly about what is sort of just quite a dull life really but it, it's yeah I, I still love it yeah I so that I one. adored that book I it was just such a revelation to read that I was just like how it's 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 almost boring but it's somehow just incredible yeah if you describe it it is boring isn't it <laughs> yeah. but so I think that's its charm yeah a brilliant lockdown book. <laughs> yeah, very good lockdown book. And it's long as well. That's the most important thing. Uh, is, that, is that what you're reading at the moment, Kate? Uh, no, at the moment I'm into... I just started reading The Stone Diaries, which sounds like a theme, but it's not, um, by Carol Shields, which has just um, been republished by World Editions. And they sent a copy to the shop, which publishes work sometimes because I love it. Um, and it's kind of this, it's basically the life story of a woman born in 1905 and it tells the story of her life in fragments all the way to the 1990s. And I'm just sort of in, it's epic and kind of sad and strange and detailed. Marvelous. So yeah, that's my current read. Great. And Alice, what book are you reading at the moment and what book would you always recommend? I've just finished um, The Parable of the Sower by Octavia E. Butler. Mm. And I don't usually read speculative fiction because I find it too scary. <laughs> but uh, an activist friend recommended this to me. Um, so I started reading it and I started reading it quite slowly because I was worried about what was going to happen. And then I just read it really, really quickly the second half and finished it this morning. And yeah, speaking of hope, it's kind of an amazing, it's an imagined future where everything goes really really wrong um but like it's still possible to create community and it's it kind of it's like a step-by-step -step guide <laughs> to how to um create a community and be kind um and um like hold things together i haven't heard of this what's the dystopian element of this so it's set in uh, in the 2020s okay. <laughs> it was written in 1994 i think so that already makes it quite scary and it does feel quite 
present <laughs> or current. Um, and the it's not really named what has caused the circumstances that people find themselves in, but definitely climate change is an element and kind of social collapse that comes with like failing crops and uh, like uh, slide to fascism and like political uncertainty um, and rise of sort of corporate farms and modern slavery. It's all sorts of terrible things <laughs> um, and all sorts of things that aren't that hard, that aren't that far away from how we live. Um, but yeah, it's sort of about uh, a walled community that manages to protect itself from what's happening on the outside and then doesn't and about a kind of journey towards finding a new community I guess and how that happens and yeah it's very honest and it's not like we just need to love each other and everything will be fine it's like <laughs> uh, we need to protect ourselves and I don't know it's a very yeah it's sort of outside my comfort zone <laughs> as <laughs> something that I might read but I found it brilliant I love a bit mm. of speculative fiction, so I might have to give that a go, I think. <laughs> I, I, don't know, I don't know, I've never heard that book before. It, it makes sense that it's selling really well at the shop at the moment, and it makes perfect sense now. Mm -hmm. I, is it, is it's it on a, my list. Is it a, a re-release or something? But... It's um, had a resurgence of interest, definitely, yeah. lately. Okay. Oh, that's really good. Okay, I'll definitely have to read that then. I've been reading trash at the moment. <laughs> not trash, they're not trash. Just I've just been into that, you know, it's, do you ever go through that funk where you just like, I just want to read like stupid sci-fi and books that are, are not great. They're not particularly well written, but you had fun mm. reading them. That that was that's all I could handle yeah. at the moment. I couldn't handle anything greater than that. <laughs> um, I've been reading comforting books at the moment. Yeah. I think What's I read the most comforting um, book. There's two that I read recently that are really comforting. One one is out next year by Brian Washington, whose short stories I really loved. So I read it. It's called Memorial. And it's you just about <laughs> it's called Memorial. Uh, but it is, it's just it's just about these two guys and their relationship and kind of whether or not it's gonna survive their lives. And it's just he has this sort of very casual way of writing, which is it's almost on the border of boring in the same way as stoner but it's just they're so real and it feels like you're just hanging out with mike and ben That's really and cool. uh, yeah it's like a sort of hug of a book <laughs> That's like that funny. yeah and alice uh finally what what book would you always recommend to people if you could that probably changes a lot too yeah i think i i tend to recommend miranda july's book of short stories quite a lot yeah. I love that. <laughs> Which one is that? I think I've read that one. Uh, is it called No One Belongs Here More Than You? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And it's full of strangeness and emotional depth. And yeah, the, the combination of those two things, of things being like completely emotionally real and kind of devastating and something really, really bizarre happening. <laughs> and they're funny. <laughs> um, that I, Yeah, I find that quite comforting. It's just like, however weird you are, you can use it in some way. <laughs> yeah. That sounds you read her uh, story, The Metal Bowl, that's in The New Yorker. Yeah. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's so good. And I, yeah, I was thinking, like, how can she have me in tears so often when she's so, like, it seems just so quirky and, like, but it really hits you. <laughs> she's somehow both detached from the world and really warm mm. and funny. I don't understand how she does it, but it's very good. Check that out, too. See, this is also why I've missed the community, is that you get to learn about books more. And we just we just all need like a mass 
like Zoom call where we can all just recommend <laughs> books to each other every single week or something because yeah I've I've been dry on books yeah reading some terrible things anyway right okay I think I'm going to br uh, bring this podcast to an end there um, with some fantastic recommendations thank you right so thank you very very much Alice for coming to speak to me today um, and to us at Mirror Online uh, and congratulations on winning again. I hope uh, I hope uh, this is a springboard to something else and maybe agents in the future. Do you have something ready to go if an agent approached or has ag have agents approached you? No, um, no oh, okay. but and I feel like I should say yes. <laughs> I'm very saleable, but no, I'm working on stuff. <laughs> You're working on a, a collection or something like that. Yeah. Awesome. I think so. Fantastic. Yeah, get it done. Yeah, great. Get, get it done. Uh, and Kate, always lovely to speak to you. Yeah, thank you, Peter, for hosting us. It's oh, very kind. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much. It's been so lovely to talk to you. And yeah, just so nice to talk about books and stories. Yeah. <laughs> Such really a fun. treat. Hopefully. I've realised it might be my favourite thing to do and I want to do it more. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I have to think about something. Maybe we can come do something at me. Oh, no, but Brick Lane has a podcast, doesn't it? Uh, has no, but I, I, need, I might pick your brains about how to make one oh, one day. Right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really don't know you just talk and then you edit it together anyway it's fantastic to speak to you both and uh, uh, it's been brilliant so thank you very much and I'll speak to you both soon thank you thank you bye bye